Thank you to Western Washington Coalition for Life for sponsoring today's broadcast of Live Talk Northwest. Born from prayer and a promise in 2018, the WWCFL's mission is to provide encouragement and support through resources, education, and information focused on embracing the beauty and sanctity of all human life. Engage with WWCFL at WWCFL.org or on Facebook at Western Washington Coalition for Life. Thank you, WWCFL, for supporting Life Talk Northwest. Hello and welcome to Life Talk Northwest on Sacred Heart Radio. This is Katie Welch, former Northwest Regional Coordinator and Industry Impact Coordinator for Students for Life of America and Students for Life Action. We're actually missing Dan this week as he's recovering from eye surgery, so say some prayers for him. But we are so glad that you're listening today because we have a very special guest this week. Today, our guest is Ramona Trevino. Ramona worked as the manager of a Planned Parenthood abortion referral facility in Sherman, Texas until 2011, when God used the prayers and public witness of a 40 Days for Life campaign to move her to leave her job and reclaim her walk with Christ. Ramona's resignation from Planned Parenthood resulted in her former center going out of business. Ramona has shared the miracle of her conversion and the goodness of Christ's mercy throughout the United States and internationally through speaking engagements as well as print, broadcast, and online media. Ramona is a wife, mother, and grandmother. She is the author of Redeemed by Grace, A Catholic Woman's Journey to Planned Parenthood and Back. Ramona, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's such an honor and a blessing to be with you guys. Thank you. So, Ramona, you have a really impactful story. So could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. So I'm the direct, currently working as the Director of Outreach for 40 Days for Life National. Um, I'm a mother of six children, and a, I'm also a grandmother. So um, our kids range uh, all the way from 28 down to age four with a two-year-old granddaughter. So between balancing my new um, position with 40 days, also juggling, you know, being a mom as well and a wife so and grandma. So it's, it's busy around here, but it's wonderful. I wouldn't have it any other way. Wonderful. So could you tell us a little bit about your time at Planned Parenthood and kind of what made you, you quit? Yeah. So I think, you know, before I mention what made me quit, I think it's important to share with the listeners what brought me into Planned Parenthood? As uh, that's a question you can imagine, I get asked often, and you oh, know, kind sure. of how did you end up working for Planned Parenthood? And and I think you know when I was finally able to understand that, it allowed me to really process the healing that needed to take place, and mm-hmm. and get a grasp on you know what what is it? How did I end up there? Right. <clears throat> and I, I do apologize to the listeners. I'm, I have a little bit of a cold with losing my voice a bit, but. We'll, we'll make it through. <laughs> yeah, and she's just but, gotten uh, back from Poland, so I did. She I is. did, yeah. So I've been using my voice quite a bit. Um, so really, you know, I think I was working for Planned. I accepted my position working for Planned Parenthood because, like so many uh, people who are quote unquote pro-choice, I believe a woman had a right to choose what she wanted to do in terms of you know choosing life or abortion. And I really didn't grasp the understanding of what that meant in terms of you know, who are we aborting here and what choices are we 
um, saying are okay to make in this country. And so I personally was always of the mindset, I didn't agree with abortion. I didn't think abortion was right, but I believe that a woman had a right to choose. And I think, you know, you get caught up in that type of mentality when you're exposed to the propaganda all your life of, you know, abortion being a right and a woman has a right uh, to it and that it should be safe, legal, and rare. And so, you know, you grow up in a post-Roe world where, you know, that's what you're exposed to. And so I think that was part of it. And the second part is because I came from an abusive relationship, I was a teen mom. So I had my daughter when I was 17 years old, Mm -hmm. and I was in a very abusive relationship with her father for many years. I think, you know, Satan has a way of capitalizing on our suffering and our pain. And when those things are unchecked and they're not healed, uh, it's easy for him to capitalize on that. And I think that, in a way... Uh, because I wasn't healed, I saw Planned Parenthood as a place where we could, that I could help girls um, avoid being in situations like the one that I was once in. And it, it was almost as if I was taking out my pain and my suffering that was unhealed on these innocent babies and on these young girls who I was actually hurting and not helping. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, as far as the conversion and how I got out of Planned Parenthood, Really, I I chalk it up to God's grace and goodness and his love and his mercy um, and the prayers, the power of prayer. I am Mm -hmm. a firm uh, believer of the power of prayer because of what I experienced um, during that 40 Days for Life campaign. But the catalyst that set everything in motion in terms of my conversion was actually Catholic Radio. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) Yes. It was Catholic Radio where God first began to plant the seeds and open my eyes uh, to contraception first. So my mm-hmm. conversion is kind of the opposite of what others experience in that they oftentimes have a conversion on abortion issue, and then they have right. a, you know, the conversion on contraception. And I was actually converted first on the issue of contraception because of oh. Catholic Radio. So I stumbled upon Catholic Radio um, right during Advent. So right before Christmas of 2010, mm-hmm. so the end of that year, I stumbled upon Catholic Radio for the first time. I didn't even know Catholic Radio existed. <laughs> and and the whole talk, the whole uh, program at that time uh, was about contraception and also speaking with women who had had abortions in their past. Mm-hmm. And, so and that's a lot where of people don't know about contraception. And that's oh. where God reached me and started to open my eyes uh, to the truth of contraception and um, I was contracepting at the time, so I began to see my own role in really choosing abortion for myself without knowing it, you know, through mm-hmm. abortifacient means. And then it was through Catholic Radio that I heard the advertisement that plan- that 40 Days for Life was going to be outside of my Planned Parenthood. And oh, wow. that was shocking. Yeah. And so, but it also, because of the radio um, advertisement, I heard about how they are safe and peaceful and prayerful. And that is what actually gave me the courage to step out and ask for prayers. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I know I have stood outside Planned Parenthood so many times and have always wondered if we had really any impact on the workers inside the facility. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even if the numbers of abortions were less on abortion days. So when you worked for Planned Parenthood, did do you have any of the 40 Days for Life campaigns outside? 
or was that like the we, first that campaign? Was, that was the first and the last. <laughs> oh, wow. That was the first, that was the and the last, because it's interesting, the leader of that particular vigil, his name is Jerry Brundage, and he had chickened out a couple of times to lead. And he uh-huh. just was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this, or I'm ready for this. And, and I think one of the reasons he was a little timid was because it wasn't an abortion center. You know, it wasn't a surgical mm-hmm. center. It was a referral facility. And I think he just wasn't sure if it would have an impact, right? Right. And so he, he finally said yes to God and, and the call, and he did it. And it ended up being the first and the only because, of course, I quit, wow. and then they shut down three months That's later. That's amazing. So I know I have heard from other former Planned Parenthood employees that they have abortion quotas at their facility. Mm-hmm. Do you did you have one of those or did you have any experience with that? We had quotas, but the experience when I was first exposed to this abortion quota would be during our manager me- meetings. So when uh-huh. we had quarterly manager meetings throughout the year, it was all of the clinic managers and then of course those included the abortion surgical center managers as well. And at one particular meeting, and I don't remember at that point, you know, if it was like within just the, maybe the first meeting or the second one, um, <clears throat> they were talking about and going over our numbers, overall numbers for the entire affiliate. And our numbers were down. We were working in the red. And wow. um, one of the um, the administrators had said, you know, we, we need to get our numbers up. We need to be working in the black. You know, we need to do whatever we can to get new patients coming in to the facilities and the centers. And, um, and of course, that included the surgical centers. And I think it was kind of in that moment that I, there was a little bit of a com- of confusion, you know, on my face. I'm sure people could see it, you know, because mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, I understand, you know, this, this, the referral centers numbers being down and trying to, you know, bring in new patients and things like that. But mm-hmm. The the idea that that was, that the surgical centers were also included, I thought, how in the world are they going to, you know, increase the number of abortions? I thought mm-hmm. our role was to prevent the number of abortions. I thought abortion was supposed to be rare, you know. Right. And so th- that's kind of you know that first moment that they begin to expose themselves, and and I started to see the layers being peeled back a little bit of the truth of, of what this industry is all about. Mm-hmm. I know the first time I heard about abortion quotas, I was, my mind was blown. So what she's talking about is Planned Parenthood facilities um, have abortion quotas. So a certain number of abortions that they have to hit, what is it every month or is it every quarter? I, now that I can't speak to because they didn't go into any details for the, you know, for the actual, you know, managers of directors of those centers. That's probably something they did separately from when we were in our meetings. But but there are, um, and I guess you can't really, I, and even if I'm speaking for my, for my own former center, it's not necessarily a specific number, but what happens is they give you your fiscal year um, uh, numbers, right? And they say, this mm-hmm. is what we made last year, and then this is what we made last year, and they break it down by month. And then they show the amount of patients they saw. And so the goal, like any other business, you know, that you're running is to um, exceed those uh, numbers, right? And so they give you those mm-hmm. numbers and then you kind of divide it out and figure out how many people you need to see uh, per day 
in order to either meet or exceed those numbers. So for me, you know, I saw that as, okay, well, we we are trying to work in the black. I want to be a successful clinic manager. You know, what do I need to do to get more people in here? Oh, but then you think, okay, you well, if they're doing the same thing at the abortion facility, right, then they mm-hmm. want to increase the number of people that come in for abortions and sterilization and all the other services that they offer. Um, mm-hmm. And then it, it changes it changes the way that you view the organization as a whole. Yeah, because really their their top dollar item is abortions. Um, so, I mean, it makes right. sense in their point of view that they would want uh, more people to get abortions, which is crazy to me. Um, so we're actually well, going to exactly. take a... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. We're actually going to take, take a quick break. Uh, we're speaking with Ramona Trevino. She is a former Planned Parenthood manager, and you are listening to Life Talk Northwest on Sacred Heart Radio. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Welcome back to Life Talk Northwest on Sacred Heart Radio. We are speaking with Ramona Trevino. She is a former Planned Parenthood manager. So Ramona, we were talking about before how you were actually visiting Poland this last weekend. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you were doing there? Absolutely. So we um, had the 40 Days for Life European Symposium in Poland and Krakow over the weekend, and it was um, remarkable. I think we had 20 or 21 countries from all around Europe and even a, a couple of leaders from Costa Rica who who wow. came and in, in to the symposium and it was really about bringing you know the message of, of life and what we do at 40 days for life uh, to the country of Poland they don't have a 40 days for life campaign in Poland Poland is is kind of that last open light beacon of light mm-hmm. for all of Europe and the world really because they're really resisting abortion and the legalization of abortion in their country they're doing everything they can to stop it it's just not part of their culture and as everyone knows they're super catholic and have some pretty amazing saints there as well <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, maybe they've got a lot of intercession you know but um yeah so we brought the symposium there they're really interested in, in how um how over roby they sorry they're really um <laughs> interested in how roe v wade was overturned in america and and just seeing the overturning of roe has been an inspiration to everybody throughout the world who's been watching mm-hmm. um for especially all of these five uh decades watching how um the landscape changed here in america after 
the overturning of Roe. So uh, really just learning. It's an opportunity where we, you know, a lot of people got to learn and speak and share their experiences. And I got to share my testimony uh, of how 40 Days for Life had such a huge impact on my own conversion. And so it was a very beautiful time. That's wonderful. So are you guys looking to start more 40 Days for Life campaigns in Europe? Well, we currently have, you know, many growing um, campaigns and vigils in Europe, throughout Europe. Uh, Spain has, I think, right now over 20 uh, wow. vigil locations. And, yeah, it's, it's one of the fastest growing uh, <clears throat> countries in which we're, we're located. But, um, of course, we're always looking to spread uh, more vigils throughout all of Europe because we know that abortion is not just an issue here in the United States, but all over the world and, of course, all of God's children are precious, and we want each and every one of them to be spared from from the tragedy of abortion. So the more places that we can spread, the better. That's wonderful. Um, so since Roe versus Wade has been overturned here, uh, and you said that your clinic didn't do abortions, it was more of a abortion referral, and you did contraceptives. Um do you think that since Roe has been overturned, Planned Parenthood will focus more on contraceptives and the abortion pill, especially with like the Walgreens and CVS and Rite Aid uh, controversy going on now? Because those pharmacies are actually now providing the abortion pill to their customers as well. Right, right. You know, I think it's going to be a little tricky in terms of the legal aspect um, throughout the country because of states where abortion has been banned. So, for example, I live in Texas. I'm here in Texas. And that's one of the things that we have to make sure um, is not going to transpire in these states. Um, mm-hmm. You know, legally, you'll run into the issue of can these doctors legally write a prescription for the abortion pill in states where it's been banned, and then women mm-hmm. uh, obtain that from the CVS or Walgreens. From what I understand at the present moment, they can't do that. Legally, they would not uh-huh. be able to to do that in the states where it's been banned. But that doesn't change um, really Planned Parenthood's staying open, pushing contraception, and then getting women to, you know, and we already know they're helping women uh, travel across state lines to, mm, um, to obtain abortions elsewhere. So, you know, I think that's something we have to keep in mind, and that's where the battle uh, continues forward here in the U.S., is that, you know, we have to find ways legislatively to prevent women from being able to do such a thing, where they won't be able to travel across state lines, and that Planned Parenthood can't help um, and aid in the better and women in getting those um, abortions across state lines. So, you know, I think when people say, you know, they don't want to get mixed up in politics, which for me, I hate politics, but it's it's necessary. <laughs> Because, you know, it's necessary. We have to have laws in place um, for the good of, of all people. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like those necessary evils we <laughs> have to get involved in right. sometimes, you know. But um, I'm not saying all politicians are evil at all. I'm just joking that, <laughs> you know, it's, sometimes it's just hard, you know, in the climate that we live in, the political climate and, and such. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that we have to realize. It's why we need to be actively involved in politics and understand what's going on and who our leaders are and what they what they care about. Mm-hmm. And you're lucky you're in Texas. Here in Washington, abortion's still legal. Um... Right, which is, you know, it, it, and that's why I say that, because we are blessed 
uh, with such a wonderful pro-life governor who, you know, at, we actually had our March for Life recently in Austin, and he was there, and he stayed there the whole time, and he was reading to an article, and, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember I'm, all, I'm sorry, re- reading an article. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, he was there and he spoke. And that was one of the things that they kind of alluded to that, you know, watch out CVS and Walgreens. You know, don't try to yeah. come here and sell abortion pills here in Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, But I do remember reading an article that you had contributed to about how Roe versus Wade being overturned would actually strengthen minority families because Planned Parenthood facilities are, a lot of them are actually within minority communities. Could you talk a little bit about that? I think a lot of people um, are starting to become more aware of Planned Parenthood's racist eugenic roots and they are, if they, if you ever look at and study, you know, where Planned Parenthood, parent, Planned Parenthoods are located on the map, you do see that they take up shop in minority neighborhoods. And I think I do kind of remember that article you're referring to, um, in which I did, you know, hope that, that, that that would be the case, that once Roe was overturned and we started to um, <clears throat> ban abortions, that we would be able to strengthen minority communities because we know Planned Parenthood is selling this idea that minority women and or poor women um, need abortion. Mm -hmm. And it really has had an impact on especially the Hispanic culture because we are so family oriented. And um, so, yeah, the hope would also, the hope would definitely be that as we move forward and as we kind of shift, that we can rebuild our culture and rebuild minority families again and getting them to understand that we don't need abortion to be successful and we definitely don't need abortion um, in order to strengthen our families. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. Um, so since you did work at a Planned Parenthood, do you, what do you think is the most impactful thing that our listeners can do to close an abortion clinic in your town? So I know before when you were talking, you said that this the 40 Days for Life campaign that made you quit um, was the first and the last one at that facility. Right, right. Well, I know um, I can tell you that, you know, those type of results we're not going to see all the time, right? right. We're not going <laughs> to, yeah. I don't want uh, ever we want wish, to right? think, oh, you know what? Hey, let's lead a campaign and, you know, they're going to close down. You know, but we do need to have that type of faith. We need to have, mm-hmm. always need to have that type of faith. And I think, you know, Jerry had that faith when he led that campaign and, and when um, when he found out that I was wanting prayers and, and knowing that the people had something specifically to pray for. so But I think what we have to remember is that the foundation for all of this is rooted in prayer, in our prayers. Mm-hmm. We can't do any of this without God. That's number one. And I think that's just been the, the why we've seen, you know, over 22,000 babies saved from abortion and spared from abortion um, since the beginning of 40 Days for Life, since they first began, so we've wonderful. seen over 200 workers quit, you know, and, and mm-hmm. facilities shut down and things like that. So, you know, we see that and we see those results and they're very tangible because of the power of prayer and fasting. So we mm-hmm. know we can't do anything without God first and foremost. And he's the one that really inspires us to get out there, be on the sidewalk, be a public witness, um, prayerfully uh, and peacefully stand outside, right? And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, I want to always encourage people to do that because with God first, everything's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, 
you're you I want people to know that unless you're out there, physically out there, um, then who will God work through, right? So we have mm-hmm. to be the vessel. We have to be the hands and feet of Christ out there. You know, I always go back to my own story of when I first walked out and asked for prayers. I actually reached out to a woman who, she was the only woman out there, wow. um, who was not even supposed to be there. She, was, <laughs> she wasn't part of the 40, 40 Days for Life volunteers at all. God had actually put it on her heart that morning to go out and pray. And had she not said yes to God, no one would have been there because Jerry, who was supposed to be filling that first hour, was mm-hmm. being caught up at work. So he was late, running late. So if she wow. hadn't said yes, no one would have been there when I finally mustered up the strength and the courage mm-hmm. to go out and ask for prayers. And I think all of this happened for a reason, because I think God wanted me to be able to share and convey these messages to people of, you know, say yes to God when he mm-hmm. puts something on your heart. And understand that we all work together in this. We're all part of this, you know, intricate, interwoven tapestry. We're just a little thread of it all, right? And so when we're all in this together and we all say yes to God, beautiful miracles can happen. So that's definitely what I want to tell the listeners is, is, you know, step out of your comfort zone. You know, Mm -hmm. listen to that tug on your heart that God has placed there and be active and then watch God do the rest. Wow, that's beautiful. So how can our listeners get involved with 40 Days for Life? Is there a website or a contact information that they should know so that they can get involved? Yes, it's super simple. So you can visit 40daysforlife.com. 40daysforlife.com slash location will take you to the um, the page in which you can type in the uh, you know the city in which you live in to see if there is a vigil taking place um, near your abortion facility or where you live. Okay. And then you can just sign up right then and there to, uh, to volunteer for an hour of prayer or many hours of prayer. And, uh, and so it's very easy, and our campaign kicks off this Lent, so February 22nd through April the 2nd. And, mm-hmm. and just know that we need you. We need each and every one of you. And uh, sometimes it can be a little daunting at first. But I think, you know, once you go out there and you pray and you're out there for that one hour, it changes you. And you will want to be out there every opportunity that you have. And uh, and just knowing that God is using you in some way, even if you don't see results in front of your facility, know that results are happening throughout the world, that babies are being saved throughout the world, and that hearts and minds are being changed, um, even if we never witnessed it ourselves. Wow, that's beautiful. So I want to thank all of our listeners today and, of course, Ramona from 40 Days for Life for speaking with us. You have been listening to Life Talk Northwest on Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Katie Welch. God bless you all. Thank you to Western Washington Coalition for Life for sponsoring today's broadcast of Life Talk Northwest. Born from prayer and a promise in 2018, the WWCFL's mission is to provide encouragement and support through resources, education, and information focused on embracing the beauty and sanctity of all human life. Engage with WWCFL at wwcfl.org or on Facebook at Western Washington Coalition for Life. Thank you, WWCFL, for supporting Life Talk Northwest.